Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens. A production of WQPT. PBS for the Quad Cities region. A podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens and this is the City's Podcast. In a way, we dodged a bullet earlier this month when a rare December derecho barreled through our area. Now, it did hit some areas hard, but not anything like the tornado outbreak at the start of the month that devastated parts of southern Illinois and western Kentucky. But what happens after that first outpouring of help occurs? What does happen next? We talked with Trish Burnett, the head of the Red Cross of the Quad Cities, about the long-term needs of those affected by natural disasters. What's needed right now? You know, the needs right now are for financial donations to make sure that we can get what is needed by individual families and communities and people. Uh, People are very generous in sending things, but again, it's so hard to cope with that. And you have just a lot of extra work because of that. And every family has different needs right now. You know, some may need uh, a vehicle to get somewhere. Some may need meals, some may need whatever. And it's really more individualized attention to make sure we're fulfilling the right needs and getting people what they need. I I apologize for interrupting, but there's also always two big things. And I want to talk about the mental health in just a moment. But the first thing is, I mean, sometimes people go, I don't want to send cash. I'm not sure where the cash is going to go. And I know that agencies such as yours like to point out that not only do you have to rebuild neighborhoods and families, you have to rebuild businesses as well. Right, and the other thing, when you give financial donations, we try to purchase as much and do as much business as we can in that location because it is important to keep that economy going and to get people back to work and to keep that piece of the puzzle uh, up and running as much as possible. And we are very careful stewards with the money because it's important that people trust us and know that we are gonna do the very best job with the financial donations that they entrust with us. In, and so we make sure it's put to really good use. In the entire Quad City region, I know that you have got volunteers that basically have their suitcases packed at any moment's notice. Who's down there in, in Kentucky, Tennessee, and perhaps Southern Illinois right now? You know, we have, I believe it's about 25 volunteers now. It changes by the hour, literally right now. But one in particular that struck me, I just wanted to share with you, her name is Kim and she's from Port Byron. She's been down there since almost immediately after it happened. And in her volunteer profile, she says she's a homemaker and she enjoys knitting and et cetera. And yet she is in the throes of really the worst area right now, helping with damage assessment, helping with sheltering. It just struck me when I looked at her volunteer profile, how she kind of pictures herself as this person, but she's doing this incredible work on the very front line of a disaster. And just, she'll be there through the holidays, didn't even you know hesitate to go. Those are just everyday people in our community who 
really become superheroes during times of disaster. Well, and that's a perfect way to describe them as well. But the other thing that you do provide that seems to be just so vitally important is that mental health uh, relief. I mean, just the ability for some of these storm victims to talk to people. And let's be honest, when you're sending Red Cross people there or Salvation Army people there, these are people that have been to disasters before. So you hate to say that it may not have impacted them personally, but they've been through this all before and certainly know what they're talking about. They do. And the mental health volunteers that help on scene are licensed mental health workers that volunteer with the Red Cross or with the Salvation Army. So many different agencies helping. But when you think about not just the loss of possessions, the holidays, COVID, and then the tremendous loss of lives. And so many of those were in small towns where everybody knew somebody that passed away. All of those things are just triggering a huge mental health need in that area and to really make sure that the people are getting that kind of support that they need right now. Because especially in a large scale disaster, everybody's impacted to a degree. And so there's really nobody left within that community that can comfort you. I mean, you need that outside person and that trained person to really help you and to recognize if you need additional help. So those people are so key in a disaster. You have seen it time and again, the, the television cameras leave the area and the newspaper photographers are no longer there and is no longer in the headlines. And that could be you know, within three weeks of a major disaster like mm -hmm. this. What happens from that point? What does an organization like yours do on the ground for people who are still hurting even though they're not still getting this national or regional attention? It's a great question, and I appreciate you asking that because it does happen, and it's just the way it goes. But what we work with, because as I said, every disaster requires a lot of partners at the table to do that and to make sure people are taken care of. So our need, our goal is really that immediate emergency care, but then we become the convener within those communities where we bring together partners because we've figured out what the exact needs are in that community. We bring together other partners and we work together on some long-term recovery options to help them find sustainable housing, to get back on their feet. And this one, we're particularly worried because with the holidays, there's a lot of places that are closed down or people are traveling. So we do expect that to even take a little bit longer than normal with this particular uh, disaster. Well, and let's be honest, also, it's a rural area. And so the, it's mm -hmm. more widespread uh, damage uh, and, and people that... Let's be honest, people who live in rural areas believe that they can take care of themselves better. And sometimes they, they misunderstand the disaster. I mean, they need, right. uh, they need, a, they need help. They need a, a safety net as well. Well, and the other thing we're seeing in this situation, because of some of the fears still with COVID, that a lot of the people are trying to stay in these very badly damaged homes instead of coming to a shelter. So we're really out in the community with other partners doing outreach, going out into the neighborhoods door to door and really trying to talk to people and figure out their needs and encourage them to come in and seek shelter where it's safer and we can help them better. But yeah, every community is a little different in how they recover and how they uh, work through a disaster. So it's important that all the partners at the table really listen to the community and help them with their specific needs. Trish, earlier you were talking about the supermen and superwomen who are your volunteers, your core people that you call. Uh, what about the person who's, who's watching right now or listening right now that wants to get involved in some way in the long term? I mean, how do you become a volunteer? Right. How do you get to that point? Do you need some special background? 
you know, we have jobs available for every background and we have really good training because as you can imagine, when you're feeding, um, sheltering people, you do have to be trained to be able to handle those situations, but we have all that training. We also have virtual opportunities that you can volunteer from your own home if you're most comfortable with that. We have local opportunities and we have deployment opportunities. So you can go to redcross.org. It'll give you some ideas of some of the jobs, but then we'll start you on that path. And again, it's that one-to-one -one care of what are you interested in doing? And we'll find that right opportunity where you'll have a little fun, but you'll do some really incredible, meaningful work. We always seem to talk to you after a big disaster, but let's be honest, there's a lot of little disasters out there, and mm -hmm. that is the fires that we see in people's homes. The Red Cross providing assistance. I know you had a multiplex in Keokuk that you uh, had to deal with. I, I believe there were 30 apartments that, that you had to find relocation and help those people. H how is your budget locally as far as uh, uh, helping families that have suffered fire and very personal damage? You know, we always need, as you know, as you can imagine, we always need additional funding because you never know when a Keokuk is going to happen. We've had an uptick in fires. It happens with the holidays. So donations are really important. And I think Keokuk's a perfect example that some people needed eyeglasses replaced. It happened in the middle of the night. Others needed clothing. Some uh, lost their car keys or their cell phones or, you know, just those basic needs to be able to even start the path to recovery. So we help them with those needs to make sure that they're getting what they need. And that takes money and that takes people. And that's what we're um, trained to do. And we appreciate the support of people helping us make sure our mission remains vibrant. Our thanks to Trish Burnett of the American Red Cross and the Quad Cities. Now, both the Red Cross and the Salvation Army have websites that you can turn to if you'd like to contribute to their disaster relief efforts. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.